Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Uh, we'll have to get the air conditioning people in here tomorrow. I am not comfortable without a jacket, but, but I'm going to do this because it is hot. Um, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter. Today we come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It was scheduled for earlier in July, but we intentionally moved it to, to today because last Sunday was our celebration of 100 years of Grace uh, Baptist Church. And our focus up until that point has been uh, on God's blessings in the past of the things that God has done miraculously here throughout the generations, throughout the years for a hundred years, so that this building and this congregation, more importantly this congregation, is still here with the message of the gospel. This morning, uh, we moved the Lord's Supper till this morning because it is a way for us to begin the second half of our hundredth year in which our emphasis is not going to be on the glories of the past, but on the beauty and the power and the hope of the future. And I cannot think of a better way to do that than coming together as the body of Christ and receiving the Lord's Supper to remember His death, burial, and resurrection. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's, he talks to them about the Lord's Supper because they're not doing it properly. Number one, uh, they're not fellowshipping, they're not in unity. Number two, uh, they are, are some there who are unworthy to take it because there's unconfessed sin in their lives. And, and, and uh, so he deals with that, but that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. I want us to focus right on the main thing, beginning with the 23rd verse, where he reminds the church in Corinth of the purpose of the Lord's Supper. We don't come to do this just out of ritual, out of some empty tradition. We come to do this for a specific purpose that Christ instituted. Here's what Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. I want you to hear those last words. Paul says, For as often as you uh, drink this cup and eat this bread, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Paul is reminding the church at Corinth that the purpose of the Lord's Supper, as he quotes Jesus when Jesus is instituting it, he's reminding them that the Lord's Supper points to the cross. That the purpose of the Lord's Supper is for us to have a remembrance of the passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, of the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross. And so Paul is pointing out to them that the central truth of our faith is remembered 
as we celebrate together the Lord's Supper. Uh, we need to understand that the cross is both the central truth and the central hope of the gospel. Everything we do is focused upon the cross because the cross makes possible everything we do. By His death on the cross, Jesus reveals uh, that we have a way for our sins to be forgiven. We have the opportunity to be redeemed and become a part of the family of God through His sacrificing act on the cross. Uh, the cross reveals us God's wrath is satisfied in Christ's death there. If you go to Isaiah 53, I quote that often, but I just can't get away from Isaiah 53 uh, when I think about the cross. Here's, here's what he says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow, sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah, looking forward to Calvary and looking forward to Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, he said, listen, we are all sinners. We have all gone astray. We have all failed God. We have all wandered away from what God would have us to be. And on the cross, he says, Jesus Christ bore the brunt of our sinfulness. He took upon himself the chastisement, the correction for our sins. He bore God's wrath upon the cross so that you and I would not have to suffer God's wrath. So that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he can say to the Father, this one belongs to me. She belongs to me. He belongs to me. Come on into the kingdom of God and eternity in the place prepared for you before the creation of the world. And you see, as Paul is pointing this out to this, he wants them to understand them that this substitutionary death of Jesus Christ guarantees, guarantees, let me say it a third time, guarantees those who believe in him will have a eternal life. Not because we are good, not because we deserve it, not because of anything we did, but because of what he did on the cross. So we remember the cross. I had a friend, Philip, uh, if Philip were at Faith Southern, or excuse me, at, I forgot where I am. I've only been here 17 years. If he were at Grace Baptist Church, he'd be in special ministries, all right? Philip, I love Philip. I'd hire him to clean the parking lot and do things like that. He just loved to clean up and do things. And, and he came to a funeral that I preached, and he came up afterwards, and he said, listen, I want to talk to you. He said, I'd, I'd like for you to preach my funeral, but he said, listen, I know you're a Baptist, and you believe once saved, always saved, and I'm not sure I believe that. He said, so I, I'm not sure if I want you to preach my funeral or not. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Philip. I won't preach that you're in heaven. I'll get up and I'll say, folks, where Philip is this morning, his feet are finally warm. You'll get that in a little bit. He said, oh, no, 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 if you don't, I don't want you to preach me in heaven, but I don't want you to preach me into hell. And I said, Philip, you're going to be one place or the other. You'll either be in heaven or hell when you die. And if your trust and hope is in Jesus Christ, the Scripture says we have a guarantee. It says we have been adopted into the family of God. And so I, with confidence, can stand and say his faith was built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, and he's in the presence of God. And that's the, the cross that, that, that Paul wants us to remember. Uh, it is the central truth of the gospel, and it is the central hope 
of the Christian. He also wants us to remember the promise of the cross. If you go to Luke 13, Luke 13, 31 to 35. Now that very day, some Pharisees came saying to Jesus, get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today, and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. He intended to die. Can't emphasize that enough. They didn't sneak up on him. They didn't arrest him by surprise. They didn't bring him before Pilate and he had no idea what was going to happen. Here he is. He says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem with the purpose that there I will die. There I will be offered up. There I will be betrayed by sinful man and I'll go to the cross. His death was intentional. He allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed himself to be beaten. He allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. And he died intentionally. John 3.16, God loved us so much that he gave his son. And so we remember the purpose of the cross, that it brings about our redemption, and we remember the promise of the cross, that from the beginning of creation until that day when he died on the cross, it was God's plan all along. It was not a secondary plan. It was his intention. The Scripture describes him as a lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, before Adam and Eve sinned, and there was sin in the world, Christ was already offered up, and the plan was in place for redemption. Uh, We serve a God who has every contingency covered. He, He knows everything in advance, and he has a plan for it. And it was his plan that Christ would die upon the cross. So, we understand the purpose of the cross, we remember the purpose of the cross, we remember the promise of the cross, and we need to remember the power of the cross. Uh, The old uh, time, J. Harold Smith, uh, Southern Baptist evangelist, used to preach, but he began every one of his radio radio broadcasts was Romans 1, 16 to 17. I, I can quote it, but I'm going to go there so I can read it exactly. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He said, look, the cross reveals God's wrath being satisfied, and it reveals God's love in action. And it is a power that brings about salvation in the life of anyone who puts their trust and hope of them. Paul says to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. We, by the way, are the Gentiles. And that covers everybody. You're either Jew or you're not Jew. 
And, and he says, listen, this power is there for anyone who will tap into it, anyone who will accept it, anyone who will believe it. Uh, the problem is people don't do that because it requires an admission that you're a sinner and a confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It means to put self aside and follow Him. But the power is there for all who will believe and all who will trust. I read, an, I got an email this morning, I didn't have time to prepare it for here, about 4 a.m. from Mike, Mark Sauter. They are uh, in Croatia. And they had a young man that was there this week who is deaf from birth. His father and mother are deaf. His brother is deaf. And he had somehow wound up by being invited for a friend to this conference that Southern Baptists are having for deaf believers in Croatia. He was not a believer. And for the first time in his life, Vesta Sauter sat down and she signed to him the story of Jesus the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Mark says before he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he signed back to her and she, he said, that's the most powerful story I have ever heard, and it's all true. That's the most powerful story I've ever heard, and it's all true. Paul says to the Romans, it's all true. God loved you so much that His Son died for you, and the power in that is that you no longer need to be a slave to sin. You no longer be, need to be submitted to the things of this world. You no longer need to be held captive and in slavery by the sin that surrounds us and is within us. He talks about the purpose, the promise, the power, and the passion of the cross. I, Psalm 22, another of my favorites. I could spend a lot of time there this morning. In Psalm 22, as you know, David is looking forward in prophecy to the Cal Jesus' death on Calvary's cross. And he doesn't mince words. He begins with the low point of the cross where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is not, Jesus is on the cross is not quoting David. David is looking forward to the cross and quoting, quoting Jesus. And in that moment, in that phrase, we see the abandonment of God from Jesus Christ because he cannot look on sin. And so he turns his face from Christ. And Christ, for the first time, is completely, absolutely alone. And we feel his agony and his pain as we read those words in the Scripture and as David quotes them way in advance of when Jesus says them. And we see his forsakenness and his aloneness. And then he goes on and he talks about the passion of the cross. And I wish we had time. To, he talks about how people rid, ridicule him, make fun of him, how they divide his ra raiment among them and cast lots, how he is dried up and dehydrated, how his clung, tongue clings to his jaws, how his hands are pierced. All his joints are out of place. And he dies in agony and pain. The passion of the cross. So... Paul, as he writes to the church at Corinth, he quotes Jesus Christ and he, he says that it, Christ said that we receive the Lord's Supper as a remembrance. And we remember when we do that, the purpose of the cross. We remember the promise of the cross. We remember the power of the cross and we remember the passion of the cross. Lastly, if you look at that 
26th verse. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It is a proclamation of the cross. We proclaim it proudly, not ashamed of it, amazed by it, in awe of it, but not ashamed of it because of the power that is there that brings us life and salvation. Jesus gave us a command in Matthew 16. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the proclamation of the cross. I was a young man that lived in a little town, 101 people, uh, Sleen City, Indiana. We had a little EUB church there, the only church in town. My family was very active in that. And uh, for some reason, they couldn't keep a preacher. Preachers stayed about 18 months, and then they were gone. But a fellow come to town named George Jewell. George was a shoe salesman from Montgomery Wards, had an eighth grade education. He could butcher the English language worse than anybody I've ever seen. He, uh, he, he invented words sometimes trying to say things, you know, things that didn't fit together. But he's the best preacher I've ever heard in my life, bar none because he had a heart for Jesus. And every moment of every day was focused on serving Christ. For some reason, he kind of got interested in me. And everywhere I'd see George, he'd ask me one question. I was 14 years old. When are you going to get saved? When are you going to give your life to Jesus? Which is the same question. When are you going to become a Christian? Same question. And everywhere I went, whether I went down to the grocery store, whether I went to the little post office in the grocery store, whether I went to church, whether I went over to the ballpark, if I ran into George, hi, how you doing today? Going to go over and play some ball, huh? Is Bob and, and Carl and those guys coming? Hey, when are you going to get saved? You want to know a secret? I got sick of hearing it. I got where I'd try to hide from George. We had youth one Wednesday night, and when youth was over, I didn't go up through the main stairs to go into the sanctuary for worship and prayer meeting. I snuck out the side door out of the basement. I threw open the door, and there stood George. And he said, where are you going? I said, Bonanza's on, which I don't think it was. He said, when are you going to get saved and quit messing around? The Youth for Christ rally, Clay City, Indiana. Age 15. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. First thing I did was I called George and told him what had happened. I was looking forward to the next day when I saw George at the post office, the grocery store, or wherever, because I wouldn't have to answer that question anymore. <laughs> he was taken care of. So I walked into the grocery store, and here comes George. And I thought, well, I wonder what in the world I, I've got this covered. George walked up and he said, what have you done for Jesus today? <laughs> and until he died at 91, whenever I'd see him, he'd say, what have you done for Jesus today? When we accept Christ, he commands us to pick up the cross that he bore 
and carry that cross into a lost and dying world as a sign, as a message, as a shout. There is hope in the midst of lostness. There's hope in the midst of sin. There's hope in the midst of despair. And it's found in the old rugged cross and Christ's substitutionary death on Calvary's cross. And as Christians, we receive the Lord's Supper to remind us of the passion of the cross, of the purpose of the cross, of the power of the cross. And because of that, we receive it here, and as we go into the world, we proclaim it. My life has been changed because I have been redeemed by the power of the cross. Our Heavenly Father, may we be ambassadors for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.